Dear Bramblings, it's your Uncle Luke here. everybody i hope you're having a lovely day so far i'm so excited to be bringing you the next episode of the dear brambling podcast today we have nahani mckay who is a metis artist photographer and activist located in banff alberta nahani is actually my cousin jay's girlfriend and i hope to uh maybe get jay on the podcast one of these days um and uh, yeah, I'm just so incredibly honored that she wanted to be on the podcast with me. And I really enjoyed this conversation I had with her. Recently, Nahani won the Alberta Governor General's Award for Excellence in Emerging Arts, as well as the Queen's Jubilee for her works in the arts as well. In this conversation, Nahani and I, we, uh, we talk about her creative process and my creative process growing up as an Irish dancer. And we kind of uh, connect over how we've both felt some envy and jealousy uh, when we compare ourselves to others. And so I just wanted to say thank you to Nahani for having this uh, open conversation with me about this natural human experience. Yeah, Nahani's art is her main form of activism, where she tries to bring some awareness to the colonial aspects of the national park of where she lives and how tourism is actually destroying the nature in the park, and how tourism was actually built on racist ideologies. And when she is not being an artist or an activist, you can find her walking her dog Lupo, uh, going on hikes and ski trips with her boyfriend Jay, and uh, sharing some beers with her friends at the local pubs in Banff. I am so happy to have this conversation with you, because... Learning about Indigenous culture has actually been lighting me up inside and learning some stories here and there and how they used to live and while also learning how I can do my best for reconciliation on my own. And I'm so grateful to have her come on and talk about her art. I should also say that I take one of her photographs and I do another analysis of it and yet again, some of my trauma leaks out from the recent incident that I went through. So again, I do want to just preface by saying, please use your own boundaries and limits when uh, coming to that part. Take breaks if you need to. And, you know, a pattern that's been emerging that I'm realizing is that when interpreting art, a lot of my own pain comes to the surface. And sometimes interpretations are just reflections of what someone has been going through. And uh, yeah, I just want to give a whole hard thank you to Nahani for compassionately uh, giving me some space to talk about my interpretations and for having this conversation with me. And yeah, thank you again. So without any further ado, let's just hop into this conversation. I'll see you on the other side.
Well, Nahani, oh my gosh, thanks for being here. Hello, how's it going? Hi, good, how are you? I am good. Good. I'm a little loopy because I had like a 12-hour shift on the weekend. Okay, cool. I am exhausted. <laughs> but hey, it's okay. Coffee, right? Mm. I know, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So something I like to start off my, my little podcast things with is... um. Would you be down to tell me a little bit about your story, Nahani? My story. Oh, that's funny. I was actually going to prep for this question, but I forgot to. <laughs> that's okay. So I guess like a story and I want to, maybe I'll relate it to the little Bramblin's cousin, Jay. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. So I think the first time I met your family was when we went to Kelsey's wedding. I've never met Kelsey or Tyler before. So I felt pretty honored and like awkward at the same time to be just invited to your wedding and meet all of you guys. And like Luke, you were sitting and it was just like, it made me cry. It was perfect by Ed Sheeran. And I thought that song was so freaking cheesy. It is. Yeah. But then like you saying it, I'm like, it's better than Beyonce. (laughs) It's better than (laughs) Beyonce's version. I was just like, I was like, wow, this is a whole talented family. So it's like, it's not a surprise that you guys are doing like a podcast. Um, And then first meeting Jay, I think was the funniest moment of my life because like he was wearing a Walter White costume. We met on Halloween and I was like, who is that? And like I went up to him and I was just like, I think you're so cute. He's like, want to go get tacos someday? I'm like, of course. And then going to the wedding, I became really good friends with Kelsey after her wedding, which is funny because like now I think I would have spent so much more time with her and Tyler at it and like having a lot more fun, I want to say, because like you guys are such fun people now and still are. And I guess a story that I want to tell is when I got a job in Banff. We were, me and Jay were both living in Vancouver and then I got a job in Banff and it was just like my career as an artist was taking off and I couldn't say no to it, but I had to like choose between like this guy that I really liked that I was dating for like four months. Like the reason I went to art school, which I felt like art school was a risk. Hmm. So I moved to Banff and Jay and I did long distance for eight months. And then I was like, I can't do this anymore. You, you're either, <laughs> you're either moving here or we're breaking up. He's like, well, I don't want to break up, but I'll like try it for a summer. And it's been, and it's going to be his fifth BAMP anniversary next anniversary. Everyone has one. Everyone, we do like something really fun, like go to brew pub and like go on a hike or something. I love that BAMP anniversary. I love it. Then Jay moved here and his art career took off as well. So it was just seems like the mountains are our home now and like where everyone can come visit us, including the little Bramlin and you. So yeah, I guess there's a story of like how Jay and I moved here. Wow. I love that. Aw. Wanna go get tuck? Oh, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my heart. It's it's uh I'm oh my gosh, that's adorable. And so you're you're essentially from Banff, right? Born and raised. Yeah. yeah. So it was funny to move to Vancouver and kind of break out of the small town scene, but the world's best art center happens to be in my hometown, which is so random. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, no, I feel like just a few weeks ago when uh, my dad and I were driving through BC and Alberta and we went to visit you guys for just a beer or two. I don't know. That was I think that was my first time ever in Banff. Or first time ever like remembering Banff and Yeah. Holy crap. What a what a town. I just I, I think I was a bit overwhelmed with uh everything 
the whole experience. <laughs> a lot to take in. Yeah, and just like a small little town and like the roads are so cramped and uh, busy and everything feels like very wooden and like natural and then all the mountains are just like, you don't think they're real. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, you were talking about coffee. What kind of coffee are you drinking right now? Because I've got this espresso jolting me. <laughs> I just made a coffee. I always make a coffee just hot like mm -hmm. really hot and then I pour it over ice mm. but and it doesn't really make sense but I think it tastes better no that's a thing I, I could see that is it oh yeah you yeah, work yeah. at Starbucks yeah <laughs> is it a thing like you would you put oh yeah I guess you do because you got the hot coffee and put it over yeah the ice and it's an iced coffee yeah essentially that's how we do iced coffee at, how we did iced coffee at Starbucks where uh we brew it at double strength and then we oh. ice it down and then the water kind of dilutes it, making it like regular strength. And uh, there's some coffees that actually like taste better cold. So if you look for like African coffees, they taste amazing cold. Really? But yeah, African coffees usually are really great cold because it brings out kind of that citrus flavor. And the citrus flavor usually comes from the fact that they use the same soil as they would with... Uh, like lemons or grapefruit or currant or blueberries. And so that kind of comes into the coffee and I'm having a total coffee nerd out right now. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no, I feel like you're passionate. Just go with the flow. I think so. I think I do yeah. like my coffee. So Nahani, you're telling me that you went to art school for a little bit. Tell me more about that. Like what made that decision to go to art school? What kind of art do you do? I think growing up in a small town and going to like a little public school, I didn't have a lot of options of like what I can be. I mean, my mom worked for my, still works for my family business. And then my dad's a mountain guide. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't have a lot of experience what I wanted to do. My grandfather was, uh, owned a camera shop in the nineties called arcade camera in town. Mm. And he had cameras lying around. And I like, I don't know. I think it was like the rise of like also Instagram that like, was kind of happening when we were in high school mm -hmm. and I just thought photography was so cool and like just doing different things with it and then I um was kind of looking around at schools and asking like guidance counselors what I should do and they're like what are you interested in and I said photography and then they're like oh have you heard of this school called Emily Carr and I said no and then I looked at it and it looked so cool it was like on Granville Island in Vancouver like so different from anything I'm used to. And I was like, yeah, that's it. So I went to Emily Carr in 2013 for five years. Yeah, I did five years up there. And it was just really awesome. There's things I like liked about it and didn't, obviously, like everyone has with the degree they do. But I think going to art school is such a risk mm -hmm. that going into something you don't like at art school is even more of a risk because like my mom was like, why don't you do graphic design? Why don't you do industrial design? And it just like wasn't for me. And I just stuck with photography. And I'm really glad I did because I think I wouldn't be where I am today or like I feel like I'm such an impactful artist for a town that doesn't have a lot of diversity in the art scene but like going to vancouver and like being introduced to so many different people and genders and like scenes and like all this it was just so good for me mm. and coming back here and having that knowledge of like what is else is out there besides like mountain culture mm -hmm. yeah i really liked it and obviously i met all of you guys out there too and meeting jay like it still gives us an opportunity to go to vancouver all the time and like witness the photography scene art scene and like 
shows and just like all the fun stuff. Yeah. I remember talking with a, an old friend of mine who was just getting into photography as well. And he was very much like a athletic guy, very much like sporty. And yeah, he was getting into it. And I remember him saying something where he went out with like a, a friend who was very much into photography and he was taking a whole bunch of different pictures of different things. He was just kind of showing the pictures to his friend saying like, is this good? Did you like this? What do you think of this? And the friend just kept responding with like, well, I didn't see that or I didn't see it like that. But that's really interesting. When he shared that story with me, I was uh, like kind of lit up inside because I realized like, of course, that's what photography is about. It's kind of like capturing your perspective. Yeah. And I just, uh, I love that. I remember telling him like, you found what it means to be an artist. (laughs) (laughs) I am an artiste. Exactly. So what kind of things do you like to take pictures of? Such a broad question. I know. Uh, Ghosts, taxidermy, tourists. Uh, What else do I really like to take photos of? Mountains. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah, not really. I can't even say like landscape or anything. It's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Ghosts and taxidermy. Wow. That sounds fascinating. I don't know. Recently, I've had like a, a brush with death and uh, just hearing any type of like dark kind of spooky thing kind of really fills me up inside. I actually was reading this um, two sentence horror stories recently. Have you heard of them? Apparently they're on like Reddit oh. where people are like, They try to write just two sentences, but try to make it as creepy as possible. And there's this one that I read where it wasn't necessarily creepy to me. It actually made me feel hopeful. And it was, um, I can't, I don't even know if I'm going to say it properly, but it was like, as the doctor was amputating my hand, he said, I'd feel phantom limb syndrome. Little did I know that I would be feeling the hand of another spirit. I, f- ah. I know, right? But I actually felt so hopeful. I felt so like, I hope that's real. That would be so cool. What an interesting like idea to create a story. I'm actually looking at it right now. Yeah, that's terrifying. A lot of these are actually really scary. <laughs> <laughs> kind of into it though. I w- I've been kind of into it. So, But I, I hear that you also kind of won a, an award for one of your pictures recently. Like, what's the deal? I won a few. So this recent one was probably a year ago, 2021. I won the Alberta Governor General Award for Excellence in Emerging Arts. Holy crap. Um, so that was pretty cool. So I I obviously applied for this award and then um, got it. And then they sent me and Jay to Lacklubish, Alberta for a gala and a ceremony. And like they gave me like one of those like comically big checks checks for like 10 grand and what oh my god yeah (laughs) so that was cool and then no that wasn't my most recent award sorry that was the biggest award i've ever received hopefully not yet to receive too but and then the most recent one was probably a few months ago where i got the queen's jubilee for my work in um the arts wow and that was just a medal Jay and I went to a little small ceremony in Calgary for like an afternoon. Oh my gosh. Which was very cute. We got bagels. And um, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. so I think winning my first award back in 2014 really put me in the right direction. And the last couple of awards I've won has just like kept me on the same path. And that 10 grand that I won went towards building an actual art studio. So 
now I have an art studio and no money again. So it feels like I'm starting over. So it, which is nice because it's just means I have to work, keep working hard in this field. Mm-hmm. Growing up in the Irish dance world for me, since I was like three, I have been rewarded far too much as a child <laughs> to the point where like, I have four boxes of trophies and I have no idea what they're for, <laughs> nor do I care. I have like maybe like, th- I have three on my uh, dresser right now that are impressive. They're just impressive enough for me to be like, okay, you can stay. But the rest, they're just in a box. And like, I just don't really care anymore. And there is this um, doctor from Harvard. Her name was Sarah Lewis. And she said something that just like, I don't know, it was rude, but not rude. It was like <laughs> enlightening, but it totally like, I don't called me out where she said that repeat success can cause dysfunctional persistence. Mm. And, (laughs) oh man, it hurts so much when... Repeat success calls dysfunctional persistence? Yeah, repeat success can cause dysfunctional persistence. How do you even even dissect that? From like three to nine, my whole little journey there was essentially getting to the highest level of Irish dance. I was just getting award after award after award. And there's even like a patch of like two or three years where I was stuck in this like level of competition that was just below the highest level of competition. Oh. And for me to move on up to the next, to the highest level, I had to win essentially two or three competitions with a minimum of five competitors. But because I was at such like a young age for like years, I only had like two or three competitors. So for years, I was just getting first place, first place, first place, first place, first place. And I'd be going home uh, to my school and all my classmates. And I'm like, I won. I went to this trip and I won a competition and I won and I won. And suddenly this uh, identity started forming in me where I became like this super talented whiz kid in Irish (laughs) dance to all my uh, classmates. And then suddenly this like, this thing started forming in me where I felt as though if I didn't win the next competition, I was letting people down. Hmm. Suddenly reality hits and other people start practicing and getting better and creating their own passion for it. And I'm still kind of stuck in my, like, I'm a whiz kid kind of mentality. And uh, I stopped winning as much. And I wanted to, keep trying really hard to not let people down but it essentially created this dysfunctional persistence where I was practicing the same sort of things or approaching my art in the same way and creating this monotony and I kept persisting and persisting the same way because it worked before yeah I mean yeah I do have a lot of trophies which is great i can say that i've won stuff in my life but i think a part of me feels as though i got robbed i i feel as though i can't really appreciate the awards i do get now are you still irish dancing i i irish dance a little bit i have a friend that calls me over to her studio and nice we we practice a little bit but my relationship with it is is a lot different i've had a lot of a I've had a very complicated relationship in my adult years with it because for me, I feel as though the culture of competitive Irish dance is toxic in its own nature. And I feel as though there is a culture 
in that world where if you're not competing or working towards becoming a teacher or performing in a professional show, then Irish dance is nothing to be taken seriously. Yeah. Like you just kind of scoff at it. Like, oh, you do it for fun. <laughs> I feel like that's um, another type of thievery where you're taking someone's actual passion and love for this cultural dance and devaluing it and um, bullying people into not taking it very seriously. And it's, um, it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. I think there's a part of me that almost feels a little bit envious of the $10,000 award that you got because we had to throw money into my art and they never gave it back. Oh, no. So I'm like, $10,000 in a comedically large size check? Like, what? I would love that. It's so funny. Yeah. I, when you talk about Irish dance, I like thought of like my hockey career. Mm. I kept winning all these awards, but I was in the B League. Like, it just, mm. I'm like, I regret my whole youth. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I felt. But then you're also mentioning a little bit about how uh, you're out of money and you feel like you're starting again. Mm -hmm. That must be terrifying. It's a little terrifying to have all this money and then it be gone because you invested all of it into like a workspace for you, like essentially like an office as I'm not even in it right now. I'm like, oh, it's just sitting there. But it also makes you think it's just like 10 grand isn't that much. It's not? What? <laughs> I'm kidding. In retrospect. So it just to have a sustainable career, it just means that I need to either keep winning more or like find a different path or like put all my energy into my art because i do i do want it to make money that's why i'm so jealous of like also like kelsey she just like fully went for it and she's doing great and i'm like i i think i'm still like on this edge of like keeping my daytime job with trying to do this as well even though i see like it's tuesday every tuesday i do stuff like this like either a podcast interview or like my studio day mm -hmm. so i it's just something i want to do every day not just once a week I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. I totally just want to, all I want to do is podcast. I just want to talk to people. It's one of my favorite things. Jealousy and envy, that comes up a lot for me too. And it's nice to talk to someone who understands because I don't want to feel that, but I just can't help but to feel that sometimes. And sometimes when I, I feel kind of jealous or envious of other people, I have this toxic tendency to want to like blow out their flame kind of using like a flame as a metaphor for like their light or what lights them up inside and sometimes I might say something or contribute that to my upbringing in Irish dance where people are always blowing out my flame quite frequently you know you might just say something that would devalue their accomplishment and it's all just because I'm jealous and I'm I'm wanting that and I want to be seen and recognized yeah, I, I recognize that. And there's a part of me that wants to fix it. But there's a part of me that also feels as though like, I don't think I'm ever going to fix it. No, I feel the same way about art, because there's this garbage art walk. There's like a walk along the river where the art is painted on these logs, and they're just all along the river. And everyone is terrible. And I was just like, I'm so mad about it, but also it's like, it's definitely a jealousy thing. It's like, why was I not asked in it? I mean, like I'm one of the only locals artists in this town and everyone else in that is from Camor. So it doesn't make sense to me, mm. but, but that's the same thing where I'm like, I don't need another painting of Cascade again, over and over along this freaking river. Mm. And then now it's like, 
but I'm like, is it, is it me? Am I like just mad that they didn't ask me to be in it? But of course I'm not going to be asked to be in it because my art is not about the inspiration here. So I get it, but I'm also like, really? Like, so mm-hmm. I, I, I understand like the jealousy thing. Mm-hmm. It's like that Olivia Rodrigo song. Jealousy, jealousy. That one? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good it's one. It's a great one. I'm yeah. Like, this is the, she understands. There's a, a fear in that jealousy as well, because like, I know that deep down, one of my deepest values is connection. And I love to connect with people and I love to um, share space and time with people. And I think it's one of the meanings of life. And I feel as though the enemy of connection is jealousy or envy. When I act upon those feelings of jealousy or envy, I feel like, yeah, I'm blowing people's flame out. And it's all coming from this place of like wanting to be seen and wanting people to recognize how hot and bright my flame is burning. But I'm now realizing that one of the best ways to forge connection with other people is to take your hands and like cup their flame and try to protect it. Yeah. When when we do that and we try to protect other people's flame, it's like we're adding our flame to theirs and we're creating this really big fire together. We're building each other up. And I think it's okay to feel jealous or envious of other people. I think it's totally natural. And I think it's a signal to how much you want to be noticed and seen in the world. But to act upon the toxic tendencies is probably uh, against my values of connection, but to protect other people and build them up and add my flame to theirs, I think is the best act course of action, at least in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to know what you mean. I, I like to tear, tear it down <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But I need to learn. I need to be a better person. That's why we're going to therapy. I love therapy. I love therapy. <laughs> It's the best thing. You were saying something a little bit about the logs on the river and a lot of the artists are from Canmore. And you said something about how you understand why you weren't invited because your art isn't about what they're painting or what they're doing. So what what is your art about these days? My art is about the colonial aspects of the national park. So... My art's a lot about, like, if you do look at my website, there's some creepy stuff in there, which I love. I love ghosts so much. Um, And spirits and skulls and things. I just think it's, like, a cool vibe. But then my work is about how tourism is destructing the national park and how tourism is also, like, known as colonialism. And it's, like, the national park is, like, uh, built on racist ideologies. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that these three men i don't know their names it doesn't even matter came in found the cave and basin which is the hot springs here and then just like bathed in it and then they're like everyone should come here built a hotel there built the bam springs hotel which is that massive castle i'm across the street from it that's why i'm pointing okay and then (laughs) so much tourism overtook the park with the animals and like they were capturing animals there's a few of the like big the settlers, um, like the big name settlers, like mountaineers, doesn't matter, um, who were capturing bears as pets or like bringing lynxes in the bars and like just really not doing so well for wildlife. And then they pushed the natives out. Natives weren't allowed in the national park again. And because it was for them, it wasn't because it was for like 
the white people that came here. It wasn't like for them. And it just makes me angry. I talking about the animals. I really like as a Métis person, like I'm extremely white. So, and then like also having family growing up here and having family grow up here for like three, four generations. It's like, I don't know, like I'm not, not well off with like you know, all this jazz around me, but like, I do care. And I just like want it to be a different narrative starting with me for like a settler family. Mm. Um, like being a bridge between cultures. Like I do enjoy Banff in a way where it's like, I love going for like dinner and beers with my friends and like, I don't know, like taking in all the beauty and like taking Instagram pics, but I'm also like, I do really care. And I feel like I'm like exhausted most of the time caring because like mm. I have no power in this town. I'm not in a position of power. I don't have any money. I don't own a business. Like I'm a, an artist with a gallery prep side gig. Mm-hmm. Like the fastest way I can get people's attention is via Instagram, mm-hmm. which I've been called woke for, which is like so funny because it's just a weaponized word for progressive. And then like, I've just been like getting a reputation says one of my friends. And then I was like talking to her I'm like, what do you mean a reputation? She's like, it's like a reputation doesn't have to be a negative connotation with it, which mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to do. But it's like exhausting carrying all the time. I just feel like it's just, a, I'm battling like everything. Like I'm battling like Banff, like Louise Tourism with this art walk who had like quotes by John Muir, who's like the most famous racist concert like conservationist yeah who discovered yosemite or something Mm -hmm. and like said that it was dirty because all the natives were there so he needs them out he also um said black people should be sterilized just having like quotes like that like on my on my daily dog walk like like i don't like the mountains are calling like like i don't care (laughs) so they call that out and like take photos of these really shitty people um quotes and like put it on instagram it was taken down within an hour really wow yeah so it was just like that's just the fastest way like could you imagine like me having a position of like power and being on council and having to go through like all these bylaws be weeks 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 of discussions when it's just like i'm in a position to be an artist and to be not worried about my reputation in this town because it doesn't affect my work at all mm-hmm. to be like this is bad and this is why. Mm. And then the more we're growing up, the more I realize like my sister and my brother are still in high school here. So they're learning about the actual native culture of Banff as well, which is now being implemented in like most schools across Canada, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I mean, like that's like what my art's about. It's just about, I take skull mostly like I can give you a gist of it, but like I just take skulls and taxidermy I find from like, around like they're everywhere like you can find them in stores you can find them at the train post you can like ask people to borrow theirs from like houses you know and like bringing it to colonial sites so like one was at a campground for me the other one was at the golf course and taking photos of it in like a really cool like sunset kind of setting like I just really like the aesthetics of it but like Mm -hmm. that's pretty much what my art's about is about how tourism has overcome nature and I remember like one of my friends who's a conservation officer here was saying or like we were talking about bears because like i was like oh should i go camping this weekend or is there too many bears blah 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 he's like oh the bears are gone (laughs) Mm. i was like what do you mean they're like well they're either hit by cars and the grizzlies don't even want to be in town anymore so it's it's upsetting because like banff like louise tourism has done such a good job at marketing that we are overrun Mm. and i feel like being at home is my little safe haven from like downtown 
mm-hmm. and people and the animals don't have a safe haven anymore. Mm. Anyway, that's what my art's about. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm, I'm feeling super vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, I, I just, I noticed that you were saying that you're a Métis person. And I just, for those who don't know, I was just wondering if you had a explanation for what that word means. For what's Métis? Yeah, what does that word mean? Yeah. And I have my own little story, but I'll tell you after. Um, It's um, essentially a word meaning half. Okay. So my grandparents were half-breeds, air quotes, mm. by the government um, living in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so my... My great-grandparents were half-breeds. They both were half. So then they had my grandpa, who also also was a half-breed. And then my dad's, I think my dad's a quarter then. Okay. And then I'm a six, I'm one sixteen, one eight. I don't know. I don't know how okay. it works. Anyway, I have a status card and fine. But um, yeah, Métis essentially means half. So it's just like a bunch of like French colonizer settlers came and like married native people, whatever. Yeah, and that's kind of like where I don't know. Like I don't really know much of the history. I'm actually going to Batoche next year, which is the Val Batoche Métis ground. Okay. For my family reunion with my sister, because we do want to learn more about our history mm-hmm. and our culture. And like saying we're indigenous is like correct and not at the same time. It's like mm-hmm. we're part of an indigenous group, but like I didn't. Obviously, I don't have any family that grew up on like reserves besides my grandpa my grandpa actually moved to a reserve but i was luckily not to know any family that was in the residential school system Mm. they actually just didn't go to school okay so mm -hmm. so a long time ago my dad was actually working on a tv show he was doing sound engineering for it for the was it aptn aboriginal people's television network oh yeah and he worked on the show called the mix where it was essentially like this magazine show they were featuring a whole bunch of different Indigenous Métis musicians and uh, oh, cool. also doing lots of like dance and like other cultural expositions. And yeah, my, my funny story actually is my dad was editing this one where they're featuring this, I think he was a Métis step dancer, like a world champion or Canada-wide champion or something from Edmonton. And my dad was noticing that no one recorded any of the the dancing for like sound effects or for what it sounds like and apparently like Métis step dancing has like a lot of rhythms and a lot of tappity tap taps jigging jigging yeah lots of jigging and uh so me seven years old my dad invites me to uh his recording studio and he's like okay so he puts it on the tv he's like so this guy i need you to copy him i'm like (laughs) what what okay and like I'm I'm watching him go around the dance floor and he's, it looks a little bit like Irish dance. And I'm like, okay, I can see that there's some like inspiration from Irish dance in this whole thing. And uh, I can pick up on some of the rhythms. And so I'm trying my absolute best, but like I'm seven years old. I don't know. Somehow my dad captured like almost a perfect replica of me doing what he was doing. And then they put it onto the, him dancing and no one could tell the difference. And so, oh, no way. so the, the producers were just like so impressed that anytime there was like Métis dancing, they would be like, okay, call your son up and uh, let's uh, get some, some fully, I guess, fully recording. And so uh, eventually then the producers sent me a pair of Métis step dancing shoes oh. so I could have a little bit more of an authentic sound. And it, yeah, it was a fun yep. little experience. 
I love that. That's so cute. Yeah. Jigging. Is is that is it jigging or is it just <laughs> Yeah, it's called it's called jigging. Oh my gosh. Okay, it's definitely Irish then because jig is a very Irish dance word. Okay, really? Okay, yeah, definitely. There's like so many different kind of things. Yes, I'm looking at it now. Jigging me tea. That's so funny. Meaty jigging, yeah. So that's my little connection with uh, Métis I love that. culture. And uh, I feel really honored to just uh, have a tiny little part in it in this uh, television show. But it opened up a door experiencing like the, the culture that is here in Canada that I didn't really have any idea about. No one knows. <laughs> yeah. And it, you're kind of making me also think about my grandpa who on my Irish side, so my mom's side, he would uh, always talk about indigenous people here with like such reverence and awe yeah because he immigrated from belfast ireland which is uh, very famous for having a colonial history as well where the british wanted to take over all of ireland didn't they take over all of ireland they only took the north half of it only only some of it yeah only some of it and he likes to talk uh, about the indigenous people here with reverence and awe because they chose a more peaceful route. But uh, in yeah. Ireland, they chose war. They chose violence. Well, we chose war too. It just wasn't fair because we didn't have guns. So it wasn't very peaceful. <laughs> I, I noticed that there was a, a picture on your Instagram that evoked a lot of thoughts and feelings in me. And um, I was uh, wondering if I could um, talk to you about it a little bit. That be, yeah. Okay. I, I took a moment actually today during breakfast to write down my thoughts and feelings. But yeah, it's your piece called Whole Eight. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. So I'm just going to be reading here for a second. But when I look on this piece, my first impression is that I see death. Mm -hmm. I see the skulls I see, of two animals laying on the grass. And I start to feel grief and fear. I really do hope that the animals had a good life. I then uh, look at the black border, and it actually kind of reminds me of the time when I witnessed death. When I look back on the day that I witnessed death, the edges of the memories are actually wrapped around this like wispy black border as well. And I've now learned that that's what happens when you go into tunnel vision mode. But my first interpretation of the black wispy border in my memory was that's the cloak of death. Mm. And... Um, I then uh, opened up your description and I learned that maybe the imagery of the death was very purposeful because it's supposed to illustrate how colonizers took so much from the wildlife and in, in the indigenous people. And that the feeling of grief is intentional because grief is probably the driving force of the activism. Mm -hmm. It's reflective of how many indigenous people feel when tourism is prioritized. Yeah. I then think about the heartlessness of the colonizers. I've come to learn that empathy is the act of listening to someone's story and believing them. I think about the refusal to listen to the indigenous people's grief and it's all just so other people can have a good time. Mm -hmm. And then I start to feel anger and I realize that that anger is coming from the pain of knowing what it's like to have someone look away from me when I'm feeling grief. Mm -hmm. And I then start to realize how hard it can be to sit with someone in their own pain. Compassion is one of the bravest acts someone could do. And I know that it is one of the best ways to help someone. To know your pain well enough to be able to sit with others in their darkness. I then start to feel vulnerable, knowing that I have no idea how to help. And all I can do is listen and believe you. 
Yeah. I really appreciate you taking that interpretation of my work because I think that was one of the most beautiful descriptions I've heard. Aw, thank you. Aw. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, just a lot of feelings. And maybe this is just my own story, but I, I just kind of recognize that maybe there's this like profound relationship with death that you have. And I was just wondering if you could talk maybe a bit more about that or maybe I'm wrong. It's not death that I think I have a relationship with. I haven't had a lot of people in my life pass, like besides like obviously like my grandparents who are my favorite people, but like I have more of like a relationship with land mm. and animals than I do with death. I feel like spirits are all around us as well, like in a way where it's like I'm thinking of things that are already here, not things that are like buried in the ground Mm. but if if i were to like answer a question that's like what is my relationship with death is that i don't really fear it i don't know like not like i'm an adrenaline junkie or anything but like i'm just not scared of it like i don't i don't i don't know how this is gonna sound but like i don't think life is that great in a way where it's like Mm. i'm just tired Mm -hmm. (laughs) i work all the time and i feel like this is just a unique form of hell okay it's just living okay yeah i respect that yeah yeah which is just like not what someone like our parents would like to hear from like us you know what i mean where it's just like taking it every day like i think my happiest moments in my life right now are like jay and my dog Mm -hmm. and having like beers with like my friends i haven't seen them in a while because it's summer and we're all like stupid busy but like having like beers on a patio with like Jay and my dog, like is just like a small moment of joy. And it's like one of my favorite things to do. It's not like hiking a massive freaking mountain. Like that's not like a feeling of joy I have. That's like a feeling of accomplishment. I want to say that I got outside that day and did some exercise, but like, yeah, I'm just not scared of death because it's just kind of like, well, (laughs) yeah, bring it on. Like, I I don't know, Mm. but like, as I think that's a human level not an animal level Mm. where it's like animals are not us. They don't have to work every day or like, I don't know, like have problems that we have. So they are really just enjoying like life in itself and like, like being free and like with the mountains. But it's also like they have a different connection with land than we have. They don't have any concept of borders is also like what a national park is. It's just an invisible line of like where we are. Mm -hmm. And once they cross that border, they're shot by hunters. And like, Mm. so it's like, are you protecting wildlife? Like, it's not protecting wildlife if like you're in a really small space and like they can roam around safely. And then the second they're in Camor, like, which is literally like a couple of steps probably over a line, they can get hunted. Wow. Which is also another point to where humans made these weird invisible lines where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, and all these laws. But it's just like, who's it benefiting? Because it's like, if we had like regulation on hunting everywhere, then animals would be safer. But it's also like, if we were to protect animals everywhere, it's also a good option. It's just like, no hunting, hunting, more hunting, less hunting, mm. hunting with whatever. It's just like, I'm not against hunting like I am indigenous. Like I'm all for getting your protein off the land, but a relationship with with death for me, for humans, is not what I fear. It's for the animals of what they fear and how mm. they have to deal with us and like our consequences of like what we've done with Canada. Mm. Wow. Wow. 
I needed to hear some of that. I'm I'm very vulnerable to all these types of talks of death right now, especially after what I went through recently. And yeah, I uh, I really appreciate you saying that. And I totally understand that some people are just like feeling like existence is hell right now. <laughs> I totally get. I it. think so. I mean, I can't afford to live my life, so mm, I get that. Yeah. Recently, I've had this feeling of deep, profound appreciation for life on a whole nother level, probably because I witnessed death and someone's life get robbed really quickly. Yeah, a lot of what you're saying makes me think of uh, the concept of belonging for some reason. I, I really just, I keep coming to belonging, which I've explained it a few times on some other podcasts, but it's essentially the feeling of being able to show up to the group and that being enough. And Mm -hmm. I really do truly think that the opposite of belonging is fitting in. And weirdly enough in our, in our language, in our culture right now, we like to interchange those two words and think they mean the same thing. But for me, fitting in is cutting parts away of yourself. So the group can better accept you. And Mm -hmm. this talk about borders really brings me back to this feeling that humans get where we're we're so quick to fit in we do so many things to fit in that we're willing to like literally cut away the most important part of ourselves and uh for me borders is just another example of like cutting parts of ourselves away so we can feel like we fit in and a lot of how we think is that kind of mentality like it's not spiritual Mm -hmm. it's like it's very high school (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think belonging, like the feeling of belonging can have some sort of spiritual feeling if you like mm-hmm. think about it hard enough. Personally, I think because humans always, are always trying to choose the easy way out of things, it's just so much easier to like put a mask on or to uh, numb or to uh, cut away that we choose fitting in over belonging. And for me, belonging is just recognizing that we are all human and that we are all on this planet and we're all experiencing life and existence. Why do we have to do it separately? Why can't we just do it together? Yeah. Yeah. I I got reminded of this uh, feeling (laughs) that I got when I did experience death myself. It was really hard for me to try to articulate what it was like to see my friend in one moment Mm -hmm. and then have this great big fall and then being the first person on the scene to see him lifeless yeah there is a word that exists but it's called canopsia canopsia i've never heard that before yeah so canopsia only really works in this situation if you're able to see the body as a place for me to try to like understand the body being a place, I'm like, okay, then what's inside the body? Like what, what's it holding? And then I learned that the term human being, human is the adjective that describes the noun, which is being. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, well then what's a being? And um, mm-hmm. a being is someone that is presently experiencing existence. That kind of just makes me think about, um, you know, like, a deer being or a squirrel being, you know, like what is existence described as a squirrel or described as a dog, you know, and we're all just uh, sharing this experience of existence, but in a different adjective. And so the body, the human body is the place that holds the human existence. Then now suddenly canopsia works 
where it's the eerie forlorn feeling you get when you go to a place that was once bustling full of life, yeah, but is now empty and abandoned, kind of like school on a Saturday or an abandoned mall. Yeah. yeah. I like love that word. I think I might use it. Yeah. There you go. Take it. Put it in your pocket. <laughs> I will. Oh, golly. A few months ago, I actually went to a naming ceremony for a friend of mine. Yeah. Have you ever been to a naming ceremony before? No. The last time I was one in town, I think it was 2020. Mm. Yeah, it was fascinating to go to this. Yeah. Um, I actually got picked up from one of the elders who was willing to drive me to the reservation. They were just kind of asking casually about my life and like what's going on. And I kind of told them about the tragedy that I witnessed. And the elder just said, like, you chose a really amazing day to come to a ceremony. I'm like, oh, why? And it's like, well, we've got we've got the spirit dancers coming. Oh, no way. And I was like, what, what does that mean? And they're like, yeah, they're going to they're going to like scoop up all of your your pain and all your everything. And they're just going to take it to the spirit world. And like, what a great day. What a great opportunity. And I'm just kind of like, OK, <laughs> cool. I don't know what this means. But yeah, I, the whole ceremony was essentially about how my friend's uh, whole family, like three generations, had not been given their names and that this is a great opportunity for all of them to now get their names. And I guess maybe I just don't fully understand, but maybe you might have a better understanding of like, what is the importance of names in Indigenous culture? My sister is better at it because she has her own native name. Oh my gosh. Wow. She got through ceremony. I didn't, I don't have one. So I don't know about that one, but I do know about mountains. I mean, okay, yeah, tell me more. Yeah, so my understanding is there's all these mountains here that are named after people, people who've never been here before. Mm -hmm. And these mountains were either nameless or named by Stonies or whoever was in this area at the time. And it's interesting because you'll never find an indigenous place named after a person. Mm. because people aren't part of this land the land is itself mm -hmm. so that's the importance of naming it's just because like all these mountains around here are like named after people who again colonized the place like mount rendell which is right there is named after a priest who started the residential school system mm. so, so naming is important mm -hmm. and i feel like people want to be remembered but if we get rid of these mountain names then they won't be yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That really reminds me of one of the stories that I tell on my tours. So one of my jobs on weekends is I'm a tour guide on a paddle wheeler boat going around the Barred Inlet. Oh my God. I was a tour guide on a boat, driving a boat in the Barred Inlet. Really? Yeah. Was it like the paddle wheeler boat? No, oh. I drove an electric boat. Oh, okay. And I drove the Aquabus. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Ooh. I'm, yeah, currently I'm on this paddle wheeler boat. It's really fun, very like touristy, and I know what it is. I was on it once. It was it. Is it that big one? Yeah, the three story okay. big one with the the yeah. yes. So yes, I love that job. Yeah. <laughs> so that's currently what I'm doing on weekends right now. And there's um, a story that I like to tell about the uh, Two Peak Mountain Range here in Vancouver, and. Um, yeah, it's it's this whole story about how it's a peace treaty marker between the Squamish and the Haida people, and how um, these two daughters of the Squamish chief, 
they wanted to invite the Haida to this large celebration, which then ended the war between the two people. And the Squamish god then honored them by turning them into stone so they could oversee the peace in the land below forever. And um, I love telling that story, mainly because then afterwards I get to say like, but due to colonialism and the attempt at eradicating people's history, a British judge named Judge John Hamilton Gray suggested they should be renamed the Lions because they reminded him of the Lions in Trafalgar Square in London. And that's why Vancouver has had so many references to lions, like the Lionsgate Bridge, Lionsgate Entertainment, and um, the BC Lions, the Canadian football club here. So they're originally called the sisters? Yeah, the twin sisters or the twin peaks. That's so much better. Isn't it such a better story? It is a better story. I think it's... It's all so much better. (laughs) It really is. It's just devastating. It's so wild. Right? That's such a... Not some good stuff. I wish I knew that when I was living in Vancouver. Mm. You, I noticed you talk a lot about mountains and obviously because you live near them and there's a profound connection to them. But uh, how do you connect with the mountains these days? Like I noticed you love to ski. I noticed you love to hike. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think my biggest connection with land is probably just being on it or in it. And then I really like to hike and camp. Uh, skiing is definitely a passion of mine and I'm... And just being like a signed athlete now, it's just so different. It's such a different feeling of what I'm doing now. It's like no longer am I doing it recreationally. I'm doing it professionally. And it's mm. it's okay. I think it's also like what I really like about skiing for film is the fact that I get to tell a story mm. and people care. And I didn't know people cared about my story until they heard it and and also like the the clothes is a really nice the clothes and the skis are a really nice like topper on it mm. but it's just like that's how i connect to land and i think being in the backcountry is just a way to do it and i think it doesn't even matter like what you want or what your skill level is it's just as long as you're doing something i mean like jay's like not the most epic skier <laughs> i've ever seen but he loves to fish and he loves to camp with me and Lupo. And it's just like, and that's how he connects with nature. And that's kind of like how he stays grounded now as well. Like it's how we both connect with land. So like going back to skiing, it's like everything to me in the winter. It's like a social kind of event. It's like a connection to land as I keep saying, and now playing work on top of it for my first, for my second year, it'll be my second year of skiing professionally. So it'll be like different to see how it goes wow so you get paid to just go skiing hold on i do not get paid to just go skiing hold on okay tell me more then i get signed by a couple of companies and i ski for them and then whatever opportunity comes with that so usually i go on film festival talks um so that's money Wow. if someone wants me in their film i get paid to do that if someone wants me to wear one of their brands i wear it and i get paid to do that as well or if I'm like being written about in a magazine, it's like, it's not like, okay, ski today, give me some money, you know, like it's... No, okay, that that makes a little more sense. It's a different approach, yeah. That's still incredible. And now I'm getting that envy feeling again. <laughs> like, what? Just burn me down. Just burn no. Me down. I think global warming is coming anyway, so it's just like, how long is this going to last? <laughs> no, I don't want to burn you down. No. Oh, man. Well... Nahani, would you be down to uh, do a quick little rapid fire to end things off with me? Yes. Yeah? Dope. Thank you. 
What does um what does vulnerability mean to you? It means saying what you want without caring what other people think. Mm. Okay, wow. Nice, bold. Do you have a favorite movie? I just watched Batman last night, The Dark Knight, and it was really good. And I keep getting reminded why that's my favorite movie. No, that's not my favorite movie. One of my favorite movies. My other favorite movie is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, it's so good. It's about this uh, photographer. Or not a photographer. He's a negative. He works in film photo negatives Mm. in a dark room Mm -hmm. for a magazine. And he has to go around finding this photographer it's just i don't know it's just beautiful i love it amazing okay i have to i have to go watch it um what was the last tv show you binged and watched i'm still binging the kardashians but the one before that was probably beef beef Mm -hmm. i've never heard of beef with ali wan and sean yun okay it's so good you know of ali wong okay okay cool it's good to know the kardashians oh my gosh obsessed (laughs) Really? I'm, I'm obsessed. I don't think I've seen an, a single episode. It's so good. I'd start on season one if I were you. Okay. I just, uh, all I know There's from the- There's 23 seasons. What? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. 23 seasons? Like, Holy crap. Yeah. All I know about the Kardashians is like, even probably something that never even happened in the Kardashians, but my friends always say like, that's so watermelon. Or something. That doesn't. That's not even what they say. What What do they say? They say Bible. They say Bible. They say Bible. <laughs> yeah, Bible. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Bible. Yeah. I guess. I guess that came from maybe a parody of them, where they're like, "We're just gonna make watermelon a thing now." <laughs> Probably. Oh my gosh! No, I know you're saying that you don't watch it, but because it's me and because it's one of my favorite things and I've been on a mission to ask all my guests this uh, question is there a favorite pokemon you have I was charmander and my sister was squirtle when we were little Aww. so I guess mine's charmander okay i love that yeah. okay thank yeah. you he's so cute i love charmander <laughs> favorite meal sushi sushi nice yeah favorite song or band or genre of music pop my favorite band is probably right now the beaches or Olivia Rodrigo, probably Olivia Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. Her whole album is start to finish so good. I was uh, on a road trip with my mom last year. Uh, we were driving to Edmonton because uh, my grandma was about to die. Mm. And um, I was like, hey, mom, can I put on an album for you? Is that OK? And she's like, OK. And I, I just played Sour from like so good. start to finish. So good. And she was like gripping the steering wheel, just like, I need to hear more. <laughs> There is no more. There, That's it. Right? But like the whole time, she's just like, what's next? What's next? I think her favorite songs, One Step Forward, Three Steps Back. I think she really liked Jealousy, Jealousy. Jealousy's Jealousy is the best one. And um, Deja Vu is also so good. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal's good. Yeah. Brutal in here or out here. It's brutal out here. <laughs> See, that's my relationship with death. It's, it's brutal. Like in a song is brutal. Yeah. Out here, man. yeah. <laughs> I've been listening like Vampire has been out recently and like everyone's just singing it. Oh, I don't like no. that one. No. No. It's fair. No, I just don't get it. I don't get it. No. That's fine. <laughs> I was never a twi hard. <laughs> so. The twi hard life. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, it's good to know. Okay. Is if you could have a dinner with any three people, living, dead, or fictional, 
who would they be and why? Mm, I think it'd be Tegan and Sarah. Oh my gosh. And I'd have to invite one of their friends because it'd be weird. I guess Elliot Page, their friends. Okay. Because I got my Calgary gals and Elliot Page was in also one of my favorite movies, Juno. Oh my gosh, Juno. And I feel like just, I I haven't read his book yet, but I really want to talk with him about the whole experience because it's pretty i don't know it's not like that wild but it's like interesting Mm -hmm. i mean a canadian icon i guess and then tegan sarah have been my like i they've shaped me who i am really wow yeah so i'm like i growing up with tegan sarah like their music isn't my favorite anymore but their earlier stuff is just so important to me that i feel like and they live like near like my sister and Anne and like alex and janet in vancouver really i'm like it's possible yeah it could happen it could happen maybe one of these days tegan sarah yeah if you're listening yeah tegan sarah oh yeah and then elliot page because i'd have to invite one of their friends okay because it'd be weird if i didn't have one of their friends there because what would we all talk about i don't know exactly (laughs) talk about whatever you want well, now we're going to. Yeah. When we're all together. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, my best friend loves Tegan and Sarah and Elliot Page. So, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you need to meet my best friend. Okay. Maybe one of these days. Yes. Invite me to a party. Yeah. Well, he lives in Montreal. So, oh. come to Montreal. So, we'll go to Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Come to Montreal. We'll just we'll just chill. We'll chill. What's something you want to say to the next generation of humans growing up in the world? Little Bramling care about everyone (laughs) no be passionate about whatever you do no matter what it is and good things will come i love it yeah oh man i don't want it to end nahani but i guess that's that's the end of our i gotta go to work i gotta go to work (laughs) that's totally fair well i just want to say thank you for being a guest and hopping on and everything thank you for having me so much gratitude yes yeah okay okay Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Dear Brambling Podcast. I really appreciate, you know, that you're still here. Um, I also want to just say thank you so much to Nahani McKay for hopping onto the podcast and, you know, having a, a nice conversation with me about um, the mountains, your art, uh, Olivia Rodrigo, uh, the Kardashians, you know, and, and all your activism as well. I, I learned so much just... Uh, through this conversation and um yeah i also just want to say thank you for having some compassion with me as well um as i leak out my trauma um with my interpretation of your uh photo whole eight there if you want to check out whole eight um i will be uh making an instagram post where i will be featuring the picture um i will have my uh, interpretation next to it um you can also check out nahani at her website Um, I'm going to be posting all of her socials and links in the description down below. And to my bramblings, well, gosh, um, what kind of thing can I say at the end of this 
podcast here. Um, what comes to mind is culture and why it's so important to protect it. What's coming to mind is that humans have a history of trying to erase each other's cultures. And it's, oh, it's one of the most awful things that we do. In war, nobody wins. I don't care where you stand. I don't care where your opinions are at. I feel as though that is the bottom line is that when there's war, nobody wins. And currently, talking to you right now, 2023, there are two wars that are happening. We have a gruesome war happening in the Middle East, as well as a war between Ukraine and Russia. And it's just been actually quite terrifying. I am kind of freaked out because sometimes I hear people say, oh, it's the it's the start of World War III now, isn't it? Which is a joke, but it's not funny. I've also been finding that a lot of people are saying that if you're not watching the news or reading up about what's going on in the world, that you don't actually care. And I find this narrative to be really harmful, especially to me, because I don't watch the news. I don't read up about what's going on specifically. Why? Because I care about my own mental health far more. And the world needs me to be taking care of myself so I can be at my best, so I can help the world. How do I do that when I am subjecting myself to the most fucked up shit I've ever seen? And uh, I think about indigenous stories and how in Canada's past, there were some really awful things that were done and an entire culture nearly got eradicated. And it is uh, struggling and clawing its way back into existence. And we should never let this happen in the first place. And it is currently happening today. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what else I'm trying to say. It's just we need to protect each other. We need to protect ourselves. And in war, no one wins. Yeah. Just know that I love you so much. And... I want to hug you, and I want to, I don't know, I just want to hug you. That's all I want to do. Like, big, big, long hugs. I'm not going to squeeze too hard, but I do want to squeeze really hard. Um, you know, I just want to show you guys how much I love you. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to spend some time with you soon. Now, with that being said, thank you, everybody, for listening, and bye for now. The Dear Brambling Podcast is a podcast dedicated to my little bramblings, to the next generation of humans growing up in the world, as well as to anyone who might be looking for a little more guidance in their life. It is hosted by me, Luke Benoit. 
Editing and sound design are by Cedar Picture and Sound, MB Productions, and Hideout Productions. The music that you're listening to is called Curiosity, and it's composed by Matthew Grazier at Grazier Music. The logo was designed by Misaki at Hostess Misaki on Twitch TV. And if you'd like to follow me on any social media, you can do so on Twitch as well as on Instagram at Lucatronosaurus Rex. And to anyone who is listening to the podcast this far in, I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I really do appreciate it. I do, however, need to say that this podcast was brought to you for education and entertainment purposes and should not be used as a substitute for actual licensed coaching, counseling, or therapy. If you are experiencing some sort of pain in your life and you need some help, I definitely recommend shopping around for the right coach, counselor, or therapist that is right for you. With all that being said, I really do hope that you're doing something today to take care of yourself, and I do hope that you have a great rest of your day. Bye for now.